Good morning. morning. Welcome to worship. We're also very pleased to welcome Alan Gillis this morning, who's going to lead us, and we look forward to hearing what he has to tell us. There's just one or two small notices, or one at least, one that's very important. Um, Just a reminder for this Thursday, the 22nd, at 2 o'clock at Margaret Howell's house at 289 Brindle Road, tea, cake and coffee and fellowship. All are welcome and the proceeds are for the church. There is, um, whether it's entrance at £1.50 or whether it's a raffle at £1.50, it's not quite clear. But I'm sure the cake will be very good. Let's just think a moment of why we're here this morning. And then we'll have a prayer. Lord of all, remind us today that you are a faithful and loving God. A God who hears the cry of your people and answers them in their distress. Though you do not guarantee exemption from pain, sorrow or hardship, teach us that you promise always to give us strength to meet adversity. The inner presence of your spirit to encourage, comfort, equip and inspire bringing peace even in turmoil and laughter even through tears. Help us then to trust what you, whatever life brings through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Morning everybody. Morning. It feels like ages since I've been here in the congregation, let alone in the pulpit, but um, I've been preaching and stuff and... Uh, as, uh, as it says, you know, I'm a man under authority. I go where I'm sent. And uh, they haven't sent me here for ages. So it's uh, great to be back with you. And uh, the theme of our service this morning is faith. And uh, so I want to open with some words from Psalm 121. I lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So we continue with our theme of faith as we sing our first hymn. All my hope on God is founded. It's in singing the faith 455 or it's on the screen.
So let us continue with our prayers as we come to God with our prayers. Let us pray. Lord God, we've come into your house this morning to come together to say thank you to you for all your great gifts to us. For all the things that you have provided for us. We thank you that we can come together and share. We thank you that we can come and not be threatened because of what we believe. We thank you that we can come and not worry about where our next meal will come or whether our house will be there when we get home. We thank you that we can come and worship in the place where many of us grew up, the place that we call home. And yet, Lord, as we come together, we also recognize that we take so many of these things for granted. And yet you have given them to us. And there are many places in the world where they have been taken away from other people. But above all, Lord, we thank you for the one thing which this world can never take away from any of us. The gift of your love, your ceaseless, unmerited, unexhaustible love offered to each one of us free. The gift that nobody can take away, not in this life or the next. The gift that keeps on giving. The gift that sustains us. The gift that brings us back to you, even when we wander off. And Lord, we come this morning with our thankful hearts, yes, but with the recognition that we have wandered off at times. We've done things that we're ashamed of, and we know that we haven't done all the things that we should have done. There have been times when we thought we knew better than you, and we've done our own thing. And we want to come this morning, Lord, and say that we're sorry. To ask for your forgiveness. To hear your wonderful words of grace. And know that our sins have been forgiven. We ask all these prayers and the prayers we brought with us in our own hearts. As we say together the prayer that you taught us. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. The power and the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. Now then. Um, I've brought something to, uh, to show, a couple of things to show you, actually. Um, don't think I've ever shown you this before. 
It's um, from one of my favourite places. And uh, those of you who know me like to guess where, where it's from? No, no, a bit nearer than that actually. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, I'll give you a clue. It's somewhere in Europe. It's, uh, I'll give you, a, I'll give you another clue. I've been there, I've been there on Halloween. It's from Transylvania. It is. I, I've been to Transylvania every year since 1997 and I'm hoping to go again in October. I'm trying to go before October 31st, not this year to avoid Halloween, but actually um, to make sure I get back again, because I'm not sure what's happening. But so this is, this is the first thing I've brought you to, sh- to show you from, uh, from my, one of my Transylvania, but I have something else as well. This was, that was given to me by the university when they made me an honorary... Uh, honorary professor, but um, this was given to me by a friend of mine, and uh, it's a very beautiful religious icon, and uh, one of the things that strikes you about Transylvania is that they've got churches, lots and lots and lots of churches, um, and they've got lots of different denominations as well. They've got denominations I'd never heard of. I mean, I knew there was Greek Orthodox and Russian Orthodox but there's Romanian Orthodox as well. And I knew there were Roman Catholics, and I knew there were Eastern Catholics, but I'd never heard of Armenian Catholics. And then they've got Protestant churches as well, Lutherans, Baptists. Um, They've also got the global center of the Unitarian movement. Um, So it's a, a fascinating, full of churches, but I've been going for over 20 years, And the one group I had never found was Methodists. But my friend Andre, he's a lovely man, (coughs) he knew I was a Methodist. He'd never heard of Methodists, to be honest, when he first met me, but I told him about it. So he's been looking for Methodists. And last time, last time I went, last year, was the very first time, he said, Alan, he said, I've got a surprise for you. I think I've found the Methodists. Well, well, not many. So, he said, we have to go and find this little village. And we drove out into the Carpathian Mountains, into this little tiny village in the Transylvanian countryside. It was a lovely autumn day, I remember. And we stopped on the edge of the village. There was a very old man standing there, and Andre got out and spoke to him in Romanian and said, do you know where the Methodists are? He said, no, I've never heard of the Methodists. (laughs) Oh, He said, I think they might be American. Oh, you want the American house? It's at the other end of the village. So we drove through this little tiny village. We got to this house at the other end of the village. And Andre said, well, you'd better go and knock on the door. He said, because they'll speak English, so you'll be fine. So I went and knocked on the door. And I was greeted by a local preacher from the bath circuit. Well... (laughs) He probably thought he was from the bath circuit, but to me he was from the bath circuit. And he and his wife were living in this house, in this little village, in the middle of nowhere. And they told me the story how about over, well, about 15 years ago now, a Methodist minister had gone out from America and created this little tiny community 
like a house group or a class meeting in this little tiny village. And uh, he'd formed this little community. And he was very determined that they would work with the other churches. So he worked with the Orthodox and all these different groups. But they created this little tiny community. And he was there for about 10 years. And then he went home. And this little community of people thought, well, what do we do now? Because he hadn't created a Methodist group. It was just a little group. Well, we'll join the Methodists, because he was a Methodist. So they looked for their local district. Their local district was the Bulgarian district. So they, they joined the Bulgarian district. And then they started, and they created two more little communities. One's in Cluj, which is the city that I go to, and the other's in Sibiu. Fabulous place, World Heritage Site. Well recommended. Get direct flight from Liverpool, go for a weekend, it's fabulous. You can go meet the Methodists. Anyway, but what I really like about these Methodists, because they're only tiny, and they work, they work with all the other churches, but they have a distinctive ministry. You will remember, I'm sure, the distressing pictures of the Romanian orphanages from back after the end of communism. could tell you lots of stories about that, but we'll leave that for another day. But now those children are growing up. And the problem they've got now is that children leaving care, leave care at 16, they've been quite well looked after. They leave care at 16, they're given a, a little bit of money and told, go and make your may in the world. And of course, they're not equipped for that. So most of them, in six months later, they're in prison. So these Methodist communities, they've created, they don't have churches, but they do have these little communities and halfway houses, and they work with these young people leaving care to, to try and help them find work and just give them life skills and just try and integrate them into society and try and keep them out of prison. So that's my, there are Methodists in Transylvania, and they're doing a wonderful job, and I thought we ought to know about that, and I thought we could remember them in our prayers as well. So that's, that's Methodism in Transylvania. And uh, I'll leave the uh, things there and we can, you can have a look at them later if you want to. Right, we're going to sing again. And uh, we're going to sing, In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. It's on the screens or it's 351 in Singing the Faith.
Now we're going to have our readings from the Word of God. We're going to hear first from the prophet Isaiah and then from the book of Hebrews. And Eric and Sally are going to read first. Thank you. The Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. The passage is headed, The Song of the Vineyard. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Thanks be to God for his reading. Our second reading is from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29 to 40. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the enemy had marched around them for seven days. Sorry after the army had marched around them for seven days. That makes more sense, doesn't it? (laughs) By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jether, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. 
They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Amen. So we continue with our theme of faith as we heard about in the passage from the Hebrews with our next hymn. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, forever wilt be. It's 51 if you're following in the hymn.
You know, when I was um, when I was 21, I was actually uh, thrown off a teacher training course because they said I was psychologically unsuited to being a teacher. <laughs> so when I asked them what that meant, they said, "Well, you asked too many questions, Alan." Apparently, that doesn't make a psychologist who's being a teacher. Having spent the rest of my life teaching, I might beg to differ. But if that's what they said about me at 21, it shouldn't be a surprise that I have a couple of daughters, and a younger one in particular, that's a great one for asking questions of her dad. And uh, she said, okay, she said, Dad, she said, you know, why are you a Methodist? And what does it mean to be a Methodist? Why is that different from any other form of religion? And uh, it's always good, I think, to be challenged on some of these uh, basic things, particularly by somebody who's not going to sort of take some wishy-washy answer. So um, I said, well, for me, I can sum it up in four statements from John Wesley and one in particular. The four are the four alls, and the first one, is the one in particular, because the rest follows from that for me. It says, all may be saved by grace through faith alone. And almost everything that's important to me in Methodism is in that one statement. All's important because, for me, one of the guiding principles of the message, we're here for everybody, and everybody is welcome in the Methodist church. And if we lose sight of that, then I'm not sure what we have left. And I've preached before on grace, because I think grace is the most beautiful, wonderful gift that we have. So that only really leaves faith. So this morning, guided by the lecture, I thought we'd spend some time thinking about faith. It's a word we use a lot, isn't it? We talk about our faith. But I almost wonder if it's one of those words that we use so much, we use it without really thinking about what do we mean by that? And does it change over time? I'm not somebody who grew up outside of the church and then had some miraculous conversion experience. I'm somebody who was dragged to church, sometimes willingly, sometimes not. But I was dragged to church every week by my mother. You've met my mother, most of you. You'd understand why you didn't say no to my mum. She's lovely, but you didn't say no to her. So I went to church every Sunday with my mum. And I kind of grew up in that, and it was just part of life. But I'd never really thought about what it meant when I was growing up. Just accepted it. And then one Sunday, I can trace one particular Sunday when it all started to, to mean a little bit more. And I can remember, I grew up at Church Road. It's a big church in Lytham St. Anne's, and it has, it's an old-fashioned church, a bit old balcony at the back, and um, they used to sort of shove the troublesome young people up in the balcony, um, you know, because that's what we did in those days, keep them out of, out of sight uh, and out of mind. And uh, so we were sitting up in the balcony, I was looking down on the church, and there was uh, a minister at the front, and he was preaching about faith. And uh, he said, you know, I think faith will take you through anything. And I remember turning to a friend of mine, because I was almost as cynical as my daughter is now, and, and um, I said, well, what's he got to worry about? What's he got that he needs all this faith to take him through? And the person next to me said, well, you do realize that after this service, he's got to drive down to Christie's 
where his wife's dying of cancer. And I thought, gosh, this was something new. This was something I'd not encountered before. This was something different. And I wanted to find out more about what this faith thing was because it was something different and special. So faith, we often use it in connection with the word belief, don't we? We talk about what we believe, we talk about belief and faith. But I want to suggest to you this morning that actually they're two very, very different things. And they're, they're different for this reason. I think if you really believe something, it doesn't take much faith. It doesn't take much faith to believe that the sun will rise tomorrow. It's happened every other day of my life. It might not, but the chances are it will. It takes more faith to believe that England might win the test match today, I accept. That, that's a matter of faith. Because I don't really believe that's going to happen. For me, faith starts when belief ends. If you really believe something, you don't need faith. You just believe it. Faith kicks in at the point where you're not sure. It's not that you don't believe it. It's just that if you're honest, you don't actually know. The other thing is that I think belief is about certain things and it's about certainty. Faith is not about things that you believe. It's about a relationship. Faith for me can be expressed very simply. Faith is about where you put your trust. Where do you put your trust when the chips are down? Like that wonderful man who became a very good friend of mine. He got three young children. His wife's dying. Faith is about where you put your trust at times like that. It's not about what you believe. Because, as I say, if you believe it, why do you need the faith? Faith is about where do we put our trust. And I choose to put my trust in God. That's what faith in God means to me. And what's interesting for me as I've gone through life, and I've asked all my questions is that belief has become less important. And faith has become everything. So when we talk about all may be saved by grace through faith alone, what we're saying is that the grace that we're offered is freely given. It is that love that Charles Wesley describes as ceaseless, unexhausted, unmerited and free. All we have to do is put our trust in God. That's the faith bit. That's the response. So when we 
see all the stuff about what we should be doing or, or we shouldn't be doing. That's only important because we've put our trust in God. Trust is, defines a relationship. You know, one of the things that interests me in the um, science and religion debate is that the people who are most aggressively against uh, religion, people like Richard Dawkins, they would have us believe that they don't need all this stuff. They don't need faith, they've got science. Well, you could argue they've put their faith in science. But actually what's more interesting to me with a man like Richard Dawkins is, the man's been married three times. Now whatever you think about that, that takes faith. Doesn't it? You know, you've been married twice before and you get married again. That's not rational. That's about putting your faith in something. So even somebody who is as, you know, anti-religion as that, still at some level has to put his faith somewhere, has to put his trust in someone. That's what faith is about. It's about putting our trust in God. Well, why should we do that? Why should we put our trust in Google? Why not put our trust in something else? It's not because it'll give us an easy life. I learned that lesson right back then. It is about believing that whatever we come up with, whatever we come up against, whatever we deal have to deal with in life, if we put our trust in God, if we put our faith in God, then we will be given what we need to get through it. It's been quite a challenging year for me. Last November, I got a phone call. And I rushed up to Scotland and got the phone call at 6 o'clock in the morning. And by 6 o'clock that evening, my brother had died in the local hospital in the borders. Then, um, a few months later, my aunt had a heart attack, went into hospital. Heart attack didn't kill her, but the hospital had a pretty good go. And bless her, <laughs> she died. It's been an interesting year, but it challenges. Where do you put your trust? What do you, what do you believe? Now, maybe you think that because I'm standing up here as a local preacher, I should be able to say, I believe this about it. I believe that about it. Well, I have to tell you that I'm not sure what I believe. You know, I could have a nice picture of Bruce sitting up in heaven, listening to his beloved Beethoven. That's a nice picture. We, um, we put his ashes in the burial ground at Hull, and I, I was there last week, and I went to see. Uh, and his ashes are next door to uh, Reverend Jack Dowson. So that creates a nice picture, doesn't it, of Bruce and Jack chatting over Methodist theology. Um, they're all pictures. They're all nice, nice things. But they're not what's important. What's important is I have a sense of peace about it all. 
I have a sense of peace because I don't know where Bruce is now, where Myra is now. But I do trust and I do have a sense of peace. That's what faith's about. Not because I believe something, because I don't know what I believe. On, um, Bruce died on the Thursday and on, on the Sunday morning we're, we're sort of looking around um, each other wondering what to do because we've been busy doing stuff as you do on these occasions and uh, we got to, to Sunday and of course everywhere shut so I said I'm going to Edinburgh because Bruce was a member at the uh, Methodist Church in Edinburgh and um, I knew he hadn't been for about eight months but previously to that he'd been very faithful as a door steward and uh, never really spoke to anybody my brother my brother had 40 years of mental health I- issues and then five years of Parkinson's before he finally died he had a tough life but he was on the door. So I knew he'd said hello to people, but I walked in and, um, and people just immediately sort of were sad to hear the news, but then told me wonderful stories about my brother that I got no idea about. So what that brought home to me was Bruce had a tough life. Paranoid schizophrenia for 40 years is not something I'd wish on anybody. But throughout that time, He had a faith. He had a trust. And he got through all the terrible things that he had to deal with. Because he put his faith in God. And he expressed that through going along and saying hello to everybody as they went into church on a Sunday morning. For someone like my brother, that's a big deal. He didn't really talk to people very much. But every Sunday he'd go along because it mattered to him. Because that's where he put his trust. And that's what enabled him to get through what he had to face. Faith is not about what we believe. It's about where do we put our trust. And what I know is this. Throughout my life, I have seen people with wonderful faith. With wonderfully strong relationships with God. And when they've had to deal with stuff, that's what's got them through. That's what faith's about. My mother, who has been Bruce's primary carer for much of that time, somebody once said to my mum, Oh, Evelyn, you do cope very well. And my mother's response was, And the alternative is? Which is what I will remember my mother by when she eventually leaves us. And the alternative is, but it's not an easy thing to do to deal with all of that. And she dealt with it because of her faith. Because she had a relationship she trusted that we would get through. So these churches that say, come to church, it'll all be fine. I'm sorry. I think they're wrong. But more than that, I think they're selling the gospel short. Because what we're offered is something much more profound than that. It's a remarkable living relationship with God. She gives us the place where we can put our trust. That's the rock on which we can build our faith. So for me, faith is not belief. If I have belief, I don't need faith. But faith kicks in when belief runs out. 
And it's so much more wonderful because of that. Amen. We sing again. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Be all else but naught to me, save that thou art. It's a hymn about putting our relationship with God at the very heart of our existence, about living every moment in that relationship and about putting our trust in God to see us through whatever we have to deal with. It's 545 if you're following in the hymn books. Now we'll take up the offering for the work of God in this church and circuit.
Let's just pray. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Amen. Now we come to our prayers of intercession, the time when we bring to God all of our concerns for people and situations known to us. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for the relationship that you offer to us. We thank you that in spite of the challenges that we face, And the challenges that we see in the world, you have shown us just how much you love us and that you will never let us go. And that if we reach out and put our hands in yours, if we accept the ceaseless, unexhausted love, unmerited and free that you offer to us and put our trust in you, then you will get us through all the challenges of this life. We pray, Lord, for the people in situations around the world who feel challenged this morning, challenged by threats to their basic existence, people forced to flee their homes because of conflict. People facing the threat of disease or war. People not able to worship in freedom because their political leaders won't let them. We know, Lord, there are many challenges in this world. But we know, too, that you're there for us and you will lead us through. We thank you for our Romanian friends, the Methodists in Transylvania, working to bring your grace and your love to those young people leaving care. We pray, Lord, that they will help them to put their faith in you. Faith to carry on the work that they're doing and pass on that faith to the young people in their care. And we remember our own country too, with all the challenges that it faces at the moment, with all the uncertainty that is in the air. And we pray that our leaders may seek the best for their people, may serve not in their own interests, but to bring the best that they can for all the people of this country. We pray that we will not be a country that turns in on itself, but a country that continues to welcome the stranger, to build relationships across the world, to carry on working with our friends in Europe, to provide better places for people to live safer places 
Places where our young people can grow up with a sense of opportunity and a sense of safety and security. We think about our community here. We think about our our town and the people that we know here. The people that drive past our church every day. We pray that they may see something of the relationship that we enjoy with you. And that from the love that you've shown to us, we may be able to make it real for them. So that this church is a real beacon of faith and hope in our community. We pray for the ministers, the ministers that have served us here and have moved on to new places. And we pray that they will continue to flourish in their new appointments. And we pray too for the ministers coming to us. That they may share with us their faith. That we may see their relationship with God and be inspired to grow the ministry of this church. We remember the school at Curtin. And all the young people there, currently on holiday, but coming back in a few weeks. And we pray for their new year in that school. It may be a year of growth, a year of learning, learning their lessons, but learning too more about you and about what you can bring into their lives. And we pray for those known to us who are suffering at this time. We remember Lisa Robinson, Edna Bradshaw, Joyce Eland, and Sister Mary. And we remember too in our own hearts in a moment of quiet, all those we've brought with us who we're worried about at the moment. And we remember to those who've lost loved ones recently or those for whom this is an anniversary of a bereavement. We want to pray for the family of Elsie Lethbridge who died yesterday. And we remember too the friends and the, the widow of the policeman who was killed this week. We thank you, Lord, that we can put our faith in you. We thank you that we can trust in you. We thank you that we can know that there's nothing in this life or the next that can separate us from your love. And so, Lord, we finally will pray for ourselves that we may have the wisdom to put our trust in you that our faith may grow, safe in the knowledge that you will never let us down. We ask all these prayers, and prayers are left unspoken in our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
So our final hymn this morning is one of my favourites on the subject of faith. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? It's 645 if you're following in the hymn book. Let us pray. This, this is the God that we adore, our faithful, unchangeable friend, whose love is as great as his power, 
and neither knows measure nor end. Tis Jesus, the first and the last, whose spirit shall guide us safe home. We'll praise him for all that is past and we'll trust him for all that's to come. And so as we go on our separate ways, let us share together in the grace that he offers to us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.